Welcome to Golf Better at Edwin Watts Golf, episode 141. Hello again, everyone. Tom Purcell here. Glad you joined us, whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time subscriber to the show, and you've caught every episode either way. We're glad you're with us, and we have a very special guest with us from down in Orlando, Florida. He is the editorial director for the GolfChannel.com, Mr. Jay Coffin. Jay, thanks so much for joining us. It's uh, it's great having you. Hey, no problem. Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Jay, before we get started, because we got a lot to talk about in a little little time, a little bit of a background on yourself for our listeners. Yeah, sure. Been in the, the golf industry since 1997. Um, uh, graduated from the University of Central Florida here in Orlando in the early 90s and then went to work for the Orlando Sentinel and worked in the sports department there and then parlayed that into uh, a job with Golf Week Magazine. So was with Golf Week Magazine from 1997 until about 2008 in a bunch of different capacities. Uh, the editor of their website did a lot of desk stuff. Um, you know, I covered the LPGA Tour for about six years, so wore a bunch of different hats there, and then um, on to Golf Channel since 2008, and in charge of all the editorial direction of the website. So the writers, the desk editors, do a little bit of TV every now and then, and uh, it's a pretty good gig, cannot complain. And since 2008, quite a change with the website and everything around it, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was just one of those things where you know, I was tasked with, uh, with uh, you know, coming here and and giving you a, giving people a reason to come to GolfChannel.com more often than they than they were in the past, and I, I you know I think that we've accomplished that. We've you know acquired a pretty good stable of, of writers with Rex Hogger, Jason Sobel, Randall Mel. Uh, we now have Ryan Labner along with us, and you know between that and working hand in hand with uh, with on air, uh, getting more on air exposure, having them promote what we're doing a lot more. Um, I think we accomplished exactly what we we set out to do, which is is what I said is is give people a reason to come to the website, let let them know that they can come and read about the news, um, that that will give them perspective on the news, let them know what it means to them, and they'll also be able to see and find out about what's going on on air with all of our original programming, our news programming, um, and all of that. So uh, I think we've got a pretty good, well-rounded site. Don't by any means think we have it completely figured out. We've still got a long way to go, but we're we're very happy with where we are. Well, we love you guys. We love having you all on. Last year, uh, Eric Casillas from the Morning Drive was on with us mid-year, giving us some predictions. And that's why we like hearing from you guys, because you see it, you live it every single day. And I just wanted to get your thoughts, Jay, on, on this year so far. I mean, when I think about turning that clock back in early in the year, three things come to my mind. The first one was Tiger at, at, uh, at Arnold's Tournament. Bubba at the Masters, and then it was that that month of Duffner in May. I mean, do you think about those same things? Yeah, oh yeah, early in the year, it was, uh, you know, I mean, there were a lot. I mean, Bubba Watson is, you know, the first half of the year, he he kind of, he was the story. I know that Tiger finally won, like you had said, at Bay Hill, and that was huge. I mean, that obviously was such a big deal, and there's so much focus on he and Rory at the Masters, and, and as we know, neither one of them delivered there. Um, but Bubba, Bubba and that shot in the playoff, I mean, that's gonna, that's gonna stand out as, as the shot of the year, um, almost guaranteed, unless we get some, some crazy stuff this weekend at the Ryder Cup. Um, you know, it was him and it was how he, how he reacted to that win and everything. Went on that, that late night talk show tour and, you know, basically just was everywhere and all things, all people there. So yeah, that was big. Jason Duffner, you're right. I mean, you know, I think he's like, he's, he's likely to get lost. Uh, he's likely to get lost in the shuffle a little bit, um, just because of his personality. Um, not because of his game, but 
you know, like you said, just because of his personality, he's just sort of a low-key flatliner. Um, doesn't say a whole heck of a lot. So I think at the end of the year we may forget how well he played, but he essentially played his way onto the Ryder Cup uh, during that month. And, uh, you know, he's going to be a rookie this year on the Ryder Cup, and, and we'll see, see how he deals with that in the Ryder Cup. And, and got married that month as well. Yeah, and got married, exactly. And, you know, we'll see how that, that flatline personality does in the, uh, in the arena that is the Ryder Cup because, we, as we know, people, a lot of people, it's, it's a difficult thing to handle. So we'll see how that goes. Let me ask you this about Bubba because uh, earlier in the year we had Larry Mize on right before his anniversary of, of his win. And that shot that Bubba hit was just so incredible in the playoff. We asked Larry if he ever got enticed to or coaxed to or if he ever went back and hit that shot again, and he said no. People approached him, I guess a manufacturer approached him the next year, and, and, and he said no, he just wants to remember it. You feel that same way for Bubba? I mean, that big rope hook off those pine needles was something. Well, it, it was something, but you know, I mean, you know, Larry Mike can say that, but you know that, I mean, it's, it's sort of what, what people do. People are going to go back and hit that shot forever, and nobody's going to be able to do it. I mean, just like they did with Tiger shot on, on 16 against Chris DeMarco, and, and, you know, you remember Sergio Garcia at Medina in 1990, or 1999 against Tiger Woods. I mean, there are certain shots that, that, that people are going to, going to always try, and Bubba is, is one of them. I mean, you know, Bubba may not necessarily go back and hit that shot, he may not necessarily want to hit that shot, and he probably doesn't need to hit that shot. But, you know, you can guarantee that member, members are going to be out there trying to hit that shot at Augusta National. It's just kind of the way, the way it goes. When something like that happens, um, you know, it, it sort of it just lives forever. And uh, because it lives forever, it means that people are going to, going to want to go see if they can pull it off. And, you know, even though you know the result before you, before you try it. Yeah, when I was in college, it was that same thing at Atlanta Athletic Club with Jerry Payton, his five iron from 191 yeah. out. Everybody drop a ball over there. You try to do it now, it's impossible because the the course has changed. There's a bunker in the way. There's a tree there. You can't hit it, but the plaque's still there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everybody, depending on where they grew up and what they remembered and, and, and everything, has at least one or two of those shots in the back of their mind that they'll never forget. Jay, a couple things I remember that stick out to me mid-year. Obviously, at Olympic Club, I'm not sure if it's more Webb winning or Jim Furyk not holding on, and then Ernie at Royal Lithum and St. Anne's. Uh, your, your thoughts on those two? Yeah, and was was lucky enough to be at be at both of those, and and you're right. I mean, the U.S. Open, I think it's it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, it's it's about who won it as much as it was about who lost it. I mean, you know, when Webb Simpson made that putt on 18, he had no idea that it was to win the U.S. Open. You know, who knows what would happen had he known that was to win the U.S. Open. But it was Jim Fuhrer. Jim Fuhrer did not play particularly well. Um, we know how, how uh, riled up he got over course design there coming down the stretch. and just did not handle that well. And so that was a big story. But, you know, it, it was Webb Simpson, sort of his emergence and um, just carrying on from, from last year. He had such a great year in 2011. And, and I think nobody really knew, including him, what to expect, how to follow that up. You know, he had a shot at the money title. He had, a, you know, he was going toe to toe there with Luke Donald near the end of the year. Nobody knew how he was going to follow it up, and he hadn't played particularly well heading into the U.S. Open. So that was a big deal for him to go ahead and get that first. And then the British Open. You're right. I mean, I, w- I was there, and I got to tell you, it was just, it was so surreal. And people say, you know, talk about surreal moments. I think too often, you know, it's sort of easy to say, oh, it was a surreal moment. It, I can tell you, it was surreal. People were standing around there staring at each other like what the heck just happened like you, you couldn't you, you couldn't 
it wasn't a story that was too big to write, but it took a while to digest, if that makes any sense. I mean, we're just sitting there, and how does this guy blow it the last four holes the way he blows it to not even back into a playoff? I mean, I, I just, I just don't. It, it, even now, I just, I watched every second of it. I was there. I still don't know how Adam Scott blew that. And that was about more about it. That was sort of the perfect scenario about, you know, the story was equally as big about who won it as was who, who blew it. You know, Adam Scott was just had his motions under control for 68 holes and then just had a complete meltdown. And then Ernie Els, the guy who has probably more Tiger Woods scar tissue than anybody else over the last 15 years in major championships, particularly the Masters and, and you know, the British Open, he... He was there. He finally had one gifted to him, um, you know, sort of as payback for all those that Tiger and, and others had sort of stolen from him out from underneath his grasp over the years. So it was just a crazy week, and it's been a, been a crazy summer. Yeah, it goes back to what you said earlier. It's, it reminds me of Jack Buck when Kirk Gibson hit that home run. He goes, I don't believe yeah. what I just saw. Exactly right, and I feel the same way about the Burn Open for sure. Jay Coffin joining us. Jay, as we get closer to now, the story that's in my mind is Rory at Kiowa and beyond. I mean, he wins Kiowa, then he wins back-to-back in the playoffs. Your thoughts on him and, and what we've got coming up this week in, in Atlanta? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, just unbelievable. It's hard to believe this is the same guy that heading into that U.S. Open. Remember, we were dogging him for playing so poorly through that stretch in May and June and and, you know, missing those cuts and always oh, spending too much time with that tennis girlfriend of his and, and everything. And my word, I mean, he, the guy, you know, the golf world has been Rory McIlroy's for the last month. And I was at the PGA and I happened to be at the BMW. And this kid is just, he's just better than everybody else. You know, I mean, we've said it forever that, you know, when Tiger Woods plays his best, nobody else can beat him. That's not true anymore. When Pete plays his best and Rory plays his best, I think Rory can beat him. And, um, you know, I, it, it's just been so fun to watch. It's been fun for me, you know, selfishly. It's been fun to see how great Rory has dealt with the media. He's just been fantastic. He hasn't let it go to his head. He answers every question thoughtfully, honestly. He takes time. You know, he rewards good questions with good, good answers. And I absolutely love that. And the same can't be said for, for everybody else out there, um, you know, even including Tiger Woods, frankly. Um, you know, as far as this week, I, I really don't know what to, what to expect. I mean, you know, with the, with the FedEx Cup and the way it's setting up, it's either going to be great or it's going to be a disaster. And by that, I mean you're going to either have Tiger Rory going after it, and, and that'll be great, or you could have somebody, there's a scenario where somebody like Louis Oosthuizen could finish in second place and not win a tournament the entire year and still walk away with $10 million. That would be that would be worst-case scenario, although it would give us plenty to talk about and plenty to write about. So I don't know if Rory can keep it going. I mean, it's hard to win that much. Can he win four out of his last five tournaments? Sure, he can, um, but Tiger Woods still plays very well at least at East Lake, so I, I think it could be a good week. Last year, when Casillas was on with us, it was right after Rory lapped the field at Congressional, and yeah. you know our, our our little banter back and forth was: Are we anointing this guy too early? It's almost like an undefeated football team with twelve wins, and Mercury Morris from the Dolphins is saying, you know, they're not even on our block yet, and and the consensus was: Yeah, we are, but right now, like you say, can this guy if he wins? This week, and then puts up a Bandor Rider Cup performance. I mean, he might be that guy. Remember, Jack Nicholas said there will be a guy that comes along that, that is much better, and 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 that was Tiger. And then yeah. there's all, and then he may be that guy that surprises Tiger. Well, yeah, he might be. And I know what you're talking about last year because I, I was there at the U.S. Open too, and I remember 
Patty Harrington even saying, you know, this guy can win as many as Jack Nicholas. And I was like, for the love of God, let's just let's hold on a second. I mean, let's you know, let's just hold on. And you know, and then I was there at the PGA and saw him do what he did. And you know, I, I think you're right. I mean, they, you know, human nature is to, to always want to find the next best thing. It's just kind of what it is. Nobody remembers what happened 20 minutes, 20 hours ago, or 20 years ago. They only remember what happens 20 minutes ago. That's just kind of the way it works. And and I get it. You know, it's still hard for me to imagine. You know, you know, when you put Rory and his potential into historical perspective, I mean, it, it's just hard for me to fathom that Rory McIlroy is going to be that much better than like a Tom Watson. I mean, do you know how good Tom Watson was? I mean, Tom, Tom Watson was one of the ten best players in the history of golf. He is by almost any major, by measures, by majors, by victories, just by longevity. He is. He's one of the, the ten or twelve best players in the history of golf. And we're just automatically saying that oh, Rory McIlroy is going to win ten or twelve majors. So really, Rory McIlroy is going to win four more majors than Tom Watson. It, it's hard. It, it's just hard for me to imagine that happening, but. You can't say that it's not going to happen, which is what which is what's so great about this kid. Because when he's on and when he wants to win and when he's he's got everything going, he is an absolute machine. So I think that that's where it, all this this talk and and everything comes from. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Let's talk about Ryder Cup because that's what's on the back of everybody's mind. A few years ago, I guess the change where the captain had two captains picks before now has four. You pretty happy with? Davis and his picks, I don't think he could lose either way. I mean, the players were lined up were awesome. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, they were the obvious picks, and, and um, you know, I, I don't have a problem with them. I mean, Davis doesn't – Davis isn't one to, to go deep on the list. You know, he, he doesn't like a whole lot of controversy. So it's kind of uh, – I think they were obvious. I wouldn't – myself, I'm not sure I necessarily would have picked uh, Jim Furyk because, I mean, I understand why he did, and they're buddies and sort of the same generation, and – and I don't have a problem with it. I probably wouldn't have because I, you know, I saw too many of those moments where he, where the, the moment got to him this summer. And that, that to me, you know, was a little bit of an issue. But on the other hand, there wasn't anybody else who you could make an argument for picking instead of Jim Pure, if, you know, if, if you understand what I'm saying. And, and that means even Hunter Mayhem. I mean, yeah, Hunter Mayhem won twice and, you know, including the match play over Rory McIlroy, but Hunter Mahan has been a disaster the last couple months. He's not played well. Um, he's struggling with his game. And, yeah, it's sort of a, a bummer because a guy like Hunter, if you win twice in one year, you kind of deserve to be on the Ryder Cup team that year. But he didn't do anything to step up and, and really, you know, to, to make his case that much. So I'm cool with the four picks. Here, here's what I was looking at the rosters. Here's what kind of – Puts a little concern in my heart. You look at the European roster. Luke Donald is eight two and one in Ryder Cups. Sergio fourteen six and four. Graham McDowell four two and two. Uh, Ian Poulter eight and three. Justin Rose three and one. Lee Westwood sixteen and eleven with six ties. The Americans don't have anybody with a winning record. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you've got Jim Furyk, who you just mentioned, is eight fifteen and four. The the best records on the Americans are Zach Johnson with three three and one, and Steve Stricker at three three and one. I mean, Tiger's Tiger still doesn't even have a five hundred record. Yeah, and Tiger too. How about this? Tiger Woods has only ever been on one winning Ryder Cup team? Are you kidding me? I mean, and that was a that was a miracle in '99. He wasn't on that 08 team because he was hurt. So Tiger Woods, you know, the, the, one of the two best players in the history of the game, 
to this point has only been on one running Ryder Cup team, and it was a miracle putt that went in that, that you know for that to happen. So you know when you you bring those records, I, I think it's obvious. You know those records all kind of come against each other. I mean Europe is beat that's not out of the U.S. over the last 15 years. So that's where it comes from. All those those winning records that you're talking about on Europe have come at the expense of all those those losing records that you're talking about on the U.S. You know, Phil Mickelson not particularly good, and you know Tiger Woods as you you know is fine in singles, but you know had had problems finding a, a partner. Maybe Steve Stricker is a little bit different this year. Who knows? But it, it's an issue. I mean, the Europe Europeans they get up for it, man. They want to beat the Americans like nobody's business. And the Americans want to win major championships. It's different. Another thing that sticks out to me too, Jay, is the rookies. The Europeans with one, the home team with four. And I don't know that other than maybe Keegan Bradley, uh, I don't know that the others, Jason Duffner and all, are going to strike fear in these guys when he comes on the on the tee, unless on, unless on Friday he just he just locks and loads. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I will I will say this. I will say you know at least they're at home. You know, so they're so they're not going to be heckled. I mean, you know, I've been to a, a Ryder Cup overseas, and it, it tends to get it tends to get a little bit ugly for the uh, for the away team. And uh, you know, at least yeah, it's going to be big, and it's going to be something these guys have never experienced. But at least they're not going to be standing on the 16th tee with a one-up lead, hearing "you suck." <laughs> <laughs> they're just they're they're just not, you know. So so at least they you know they, they've got people, you know, they're going to have thirty, forty thousand people a day who want them to succeed, and that's got to be better than the alternative. So ha- having said all that, do you have a pick, or are you just going to uh, sit back and watch and enjoy? You know, I, well, also, you know, I, I think Europe might end up taking it. And, and, you know, a couple, three months ago, I'm not sure I would have, I would have picked that. You know, I was looking at the, uh, looking at the teams a couple months ago, and I was thinking, man, this is going to be a, this is going to be a runaway from the U.S. But I don't know, man. There's a, the, the, you know, the Europeans find a way to get it done every time. They just find a way to make more putts. They've got the best player in the world, Rory McIlroy. You know, he's going to play five matches. He may not win them all, but he's going to win most of them. Guys like Ian Poulter and Sergio Garcia. Those guys were made to play in the Ryder Cup and made to beat the Americans. They just were. So uh, if you if you hold a gun to my head, then I'll I'll, I'll pick the Europeans. But I, I think it's going to be close, no doubt. There's no gun to your head, but there's a microphone to your head, and we want to help you have us help you give us something away here, Jay. Every episode, our vendors that we work with are so nice to donate something that our listening audience can register to have a chance at winning today. From a few episodes ago, it's a Seymour putter given given to us by Jim Grunberg, president and founder of Seymour Putter Company. We've had several hundred names as we do every time, and I'm going to let you announce the name of the winner. Oh, perfect. Bill Hoffman from Parker, Colorado. Awesome. Congratulations, Bill, and uh, we'll get that Seymour Putter out to you, and it'll be there hopefully within a week, and you get to try it out. Zach Johnson putts with that Seymour, and probably not anybody better on the greens than Zach right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. Jay, final thoughts for our listeners as we close. Obviously, come catch you on the website, golfchannel.com, but Final listeners, as we shut this down for today. Yeah, it's just been a you know it's been a great year, and there's it's it's crazy we're here, and you know it's we're we're well into football season and everything, but you know these next two weeks are just going to be fantastic for golf. We we almost can't lose, and it's good to be in a situation like that where you have no idea what's going to happen, but you know whatever happens this week and whatever happens next week is going to be fantastic, and that's a pretty good pretty good spot for the game to be in. Jay, thanks so much. Hopefully, we can do it again soon. Yeah, sounds good. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Jay. And special thanks go out as well to our friends at Mastro Communications for putting that interview together with Jay Coffin, Editorial Director of TheGolfChannel.com. 
Thanks also again to you, our listeners. And we'll do it again next time when we have another episode of Golf Better at edwinwatsgolf.com. So long, everyone. Thank you.